What was it? Just between us. When did it all click? For me, uh, it all began in Chicago. One day, this mockingbird began singing in the backyard there, you know, that puffed up confidence, just belting out his song. And I began to realize that the mockingbird was singing the car alarm. Beep, 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 <laughs> you know the one? And I, I just sat there listening to that poor dumb bird for maybe an hour straight thinking, what have we done? how wrong that was and it stuck with me. I kept coming back to it, just trying to figure out where in the world we had gone so wrong that it had ended up here. For me, it was the part about driving. Every time I got in the car, I thought about it. The more I drove, the more it made sense. Like there was this one night I was driving home from work and there was nobody on the street. I mean, nobody. And I'm sitting at a red light, just waiting, waiting. And there's no cars anywhere. Still, I sat there, I obeyed. That's when I realized it's not about technology, it's not about machines. It's about what they're doing to us. It's about what they're doing to us, what they do to our hearts, because our hearts are no longer free. You wanted to be free. Right. You right. wanted your human dignity, your autonomy. Yeah. Everybody yeah, but... wants that. People want it so badly, they're dying by the thousands every day just trying to salvage some of their humanity. Okay. Think about, about this. More people have died from suicide in just the time we've been talking than I allegedly killed in my entire career. More people die from antidepressants, plastic surgery, fast food. Why, 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 why is everybody so terrified of me? And ask yourself this question. Why are these men in suits so desperate to prove that I'm crazy? I will tell you. It's because they know that I'm right. I'm awake. They are asleep. Yeah. And they're terrified they might have to wake up to and turn off their cell phones and their TVs and their video games and face themselves the way that you and I have. The bigger poem. Why ain't you gonna press the flesh, Pappy? Do a little politicking? I'll press your fist, you impudent some bitch. You don't tell your Pappy how to cut the electorate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. Oh, yeah. That's a powerful new phone. If I had a pistol, I'd shoot out your gizzard pin. Ah, a fiery wedge, eh? Well, Sonny, was you aiming to blow the other leg off? Contains precious gems valued at more than a million dollars. Mind if I, I just come aboard, please, just for a spell. I 
idea brings up her nature. However, we'll go into that later. And welcome aboard once again to the Pirate Professor podcast. This is your captain speaking. I think I'm gonna, you know, I think I'm going to stick with that thing. Yeah, this is your captain speaking. This is Captain... My friends call me Barnacle Bill. They really do. Anyway, so I was listening to this podcast a couple of... Actually, I'm sorry, a couple of nothing. It was yesterday. I was on, I was I have a night class on a Thursday nights, and so I actually decided to pull up my own podcast in an act of vanity to see what it actually sounded like while I was driving home, and I realized a couple of things. Uh, one, it was just a little bit too low. So I'm I'm gonna try and boost the overall. Um, volume of the thing and um hopefully hopefully i'll um get a better uh sound quality uh the other thing was i noticed this particular microphone it's a good microphone but it's a little too susceptible to hard consonant sounds like p's so what we call plosives so when i say the pirate professor podcast it comes out almost like a kick drum and uh that's kind of annoying so i apologize for those i've got another microphone and i i tried it out earlier today i was running through some tests and the the problem with it and i may switch to it it's a it's another kind of studio microphone but it's almost a little too sensitive and so i'm in my cabin and the thing i like about this microphone it's um it does a good job of picking up my voice but at the same time it also does a good pretty a fairly good job of filtering out all the background noise the other microphone i noticed is just a little it picks up too much um things that you wouldn't even think of like when my refrigerator is running like it can pick up that hum and it's it's at least within the headphones it's almost deafening and so that was more annoying than hard consonant sounds so i've been playing around with the settings and the soundboard and trying to change the way i talk into the microphone itself so hopefully i get this better so you can have a a better um listening experience now tonight it's actually i'm recording this it's friday night there's a lot there's a lot going on right now uh this is just me interjecting this one has absolutely nothing to do with any of my regular classes so dear students uh members of my crew if you don't listen to this one you are under absolutely no obligation to do so uh this was the my other crew the uh, ones that just you're out there i know you're out there and i love you more than you could possibly imagine I, I, there's a lot going on and it's this is just going to be one of those talks um 
I've had a lot on my mind this week and I need to get it out. And so tonight's going to be one of those nights where I just get it out. So I've got a pint of red wine here in a mason jar. I'm sitting at my desk. It's Friday night and I have my alarm set for three o'clock in the morning to get up and drive down to Corpus Christi because uh, captain's got to take care of his ship. And there is a two, not one, two potential hurricanes going to be in the Gulf of Mexico this following week. And one of them, every time they update the forecast, gets closer to my boat. And so I'm going to get up extra early in the morning and go do everything I can to make sure my boat's protected. So, um, and honestly, that just, that fits with everything else that's going on this week. So, um, so that's where we are. So I'm going to play a song, get us started. And, um, I'm going to talk a while. I'm going to drink some wine. And then I'm going to finish washing dishes. Because um, I made a big pot of beans today. Because I was planning, I was like, you know, I'm planning on being around for a while. So I made a big pot of ham and beans today so I could eat on it all week. And now I'm actually having to work to get out of here. And uh, so, I'm... anyway. So I got to drive down to Corpus Christi, uh, Texas tomorrow, which is where my boat is. So, um, the land of Selena, maybe I should play. Sel no, I'm not going to play a Selena song because I swear that family will sue anyone who they think is trying to profit off, uh, her name. And I am not profiting at all off this thing. Uh, so hopefully copyright gods be kind. This is, you know, 99% for my class, but I'm just trying to make it interesting and do a little something different. And uh, current students, former students, because, you know, life is education. Life is learning. Anyway, so I, I know what I'm playing. This song has way too much relevance in my life these days. Um, you like South Texas? I want to say I love South Texas music. Let me just go ahead and throw that out there. Um, you don't really. F I read a book last year. Uh, it's called With Hemingway, I think. So something you should know is I'm really, I really, am a big fan on a different kind of level for uh, for Ernest Hemingway. Um, I can talk about that later, but mostly one of the things, um, he was a kind of a terrible human being, but he was also a phenomenal mentor to a lot of people or to several people. And there was this kid who back during the depression, he was a journalism student and I think he was in Minnesota and he didn't have anything going. I think he went for like a year of journalism school. And, uh, and Hemingway was living, living in Key West at that particular point in time. And back then Key West wasn't the big tourist destination. It was, you know, it is now, it was sort of this tropical place kind of at the end of a, uh, strange road. And he, you know, he stayed there because it was, there was a degree of seclusion. And so this kid just 
hitchhiked his way down. He ended up on Hemingway's front steps, and he just said, you know, I want you to teach me how to write. And that was actually at the same, exact same time that Hemingway bought his, his uh, fishing boat, Pilar. And he, and he was like, you know what, kid? I need somebody to keep an eye out on this boat when I'm not there. Um, I need somebody just basically to stay on it 24-7 just to, you know, make sure nothing happens to it. And be my sort of kind of cabin boy sort of um, character. And if you'll do that, I'll teach you how to write. And, and he did. And um, I lost my train of thought of how that actually applies to South Texas. I'll be honest there. Anyway, uh, one of the things I'm, I, oh, now I remember. They ended up going and spent a lot of time in Cuba because, you know, if you know Hemingway, he ended up living there for a long time. And they spent the summer there and he was giving them lots of lessons and this guy was giving lots of um, experience in, you know, Cuba back in these days. This was before the Cuban Revolution. It was before a lot of the, you know, a lot of the heavy Cold War stuff kicked in. It was starting to move in. And one of the pieces of advice I remember that uh, Hemingway gave that guy was he's like, look, I know you've been here for a summer, but you don't really understand this place. So don't try to write about it. When he was talking about Cuba, he's like, I know, he goes, you think you understand this place. But you really don't. So don't don't try to write about it because you're not going to be able to. Not not on the level that you think you are. Uh, South Texas has kind of hit me that way. Uh, I went down there thinking not thinking. I, I went down there wanting to write about it. And you know, there's so much uh, there's so much music that comes out of there. Um. So much culture that comes out of there. South Texas is really its own. I truly, when I went down there, I felt like I was in a different country. It's different. It's everything is different. There's there's hardly any real similarities between there and Arkansas. Um, and I can get into the the differences, but you know, I've been down there for about almost you know, I'm going on three years, and I'm just now starting to get my head around it. And going down to the border, you know, the further south you go, the deeper it gets and the deeper your understanding of all this stuff goes. Um, so with that said, um, I'm going to play one of the uh, songs that, again, has way too much relevance in my life at this point in time. This is Corpus Christi Bay by Robert Earl Keane. I worked the rigs from three to midnight On the Corpus Christi Bay I'd get off and drink till daylight Sleep the morning away I'd plan to take my widgets Leave the rigs behind for good But that life, it is contagious it's down in your blood I lived in Corpus with my brother We were always on the run We 
So there's two artists that I have yet to get the chance to see in South Texas. Robert O'Keefe is one of them. And Willie Nelson is the other. Damned if I'm not going to get to go see Willie in some time, somewhere in South Texas before this is also sounding that. Said and done. Wrap that guy in bubble wrap. See, I please somebody take care of Willie. Take care of Willie. This is actually one of the great sadness... Uh, a great sadness in my life if I haven't got to see Willie Nelson play live. Because uh, I'm a big Willie Nelson fan. Uh, yeah. There was once... I almost did. I heard him playing live. 
It was an outdoor concert that I did not have a ticket to, but I had to go pick up someone else. And so I just drove by really slowly with the windows rolled down so I could hear. But that was probably 15 years ago, so I'm due. I'm due to go see Willie. I just want Willie to stay healthy. Um, so where do we even begin tonight? Uh, I am supposed to wake up in five and a half hours and I have not yet gone to sleep, nor have I decided when I'm going to go to bed. So that should prove interesting. Um, let me just go ahead and start. Uh, this is, good. this is probably going to be one of those heavy. Uh, if you're not in the mood for something heavy, let me just tell you. Go away. Good. Let's turn me off now. Turn me off. Go find something else. And it's going to be a little less less deep. And I don't know. Deep is um, no. Heavy. Heavy is the right word. So I wake up this morning. Um. I've been staying up pretty late doing, I've been recording all the lectures and throwing them out on the podcast. So I feel like I'm kind of doing overkill for people who are just like, you know, used to a regular podcast schedule because I've been trying to record two a day. And I haven't, you know, I honestly haven't been used to talking this much in a long time. So it's each one, it typically ends up running like 45 minutes to an hour to, you know, longer and it sort of wears me out and but i've been doing like one in the morning oops sorry and then i do another at night and then i sort of publish them when i sort of feel like it's appropriate but i'm also trying to do these for class and there's this where we're going you know it could go online anytime so i'm just trying to be ready so i wake up this morning it's about seven o'clock and like no sooner had I woke up than I get a text message from a former student of mine. His name's Austin. And Austin used to have the best man bun. I'm telling you. He had the greatest hair in the world. He just looked like... Austin's a good guy. I like Austin a lot. But unbeknownst to him, he hit me with a question like within minutes of me first waking up. He hit me with a pretty heavy question before I'd had my first cup of coffee. And I staggered around with it for you know a little bit before I answered. And actually, let me, I've got my cell phone. Let me just pull it up here. It was... And actually, I've, had, I've been hit with two different questions today. And this one came at 721 this morning. And Alston says, hey, Captain, if there was one lesson you've learned from the water slash waves, what would it be? And then he follows it with, this is Alston, by the way. And I was like, damn, Alston, you hit me way too early with this question. That's because that's a big question. Uh, the ocean, let me, because the ocean's got a lot of shit to teach. There's a lot there. Like, oh, I've spent most of my life either on a farm and in the past few years on the water. 
And as someone who's also spent a fair amount of time digging around through the Bible, it, it has become more than apparent why so many parables in the Bible have to do with either agriculture or the ocean. And Austin hits me with this right from the very beginning this morning. And so thank you very much, Mr. Alston. And I'm actually writing myself a note right now because I don't want to miss what I'm going to hit later. This one may go long. I don't know how this one may wrap up in 15 minutes. It may wrap up in an hour and a half. I don't really know where we're going to go. We're at 24 minutes. But Austin's like, so what's the biggest lesson you've learned? And I just had to think about that. And the thing I told him, you know what? He never responded to me either, which I'm kind of annoyed. I, he asked me this pretty deep question. I gave him an answer and he did not text me back. Screw you, Alston. Um, <laughs> he said, and I just said, look, he, he's like, what, you know, what's, let me read it again because you've probably already forgotten. He's like, if there's one lesson you've learned from the ocean water waves, what would it be? And I responded with something I said the other day on the podcast is it's that I'm very small and I, and I owe it my respect. I owe the ocean. I owe the water my respect because no one and no ship is unsinkable. And I thought to myself, that's a pretty good answer for 730 in the morning. And um, I still think it's a pretty good answer for 7.30 in the morning because I thought about it more as the day went on. And it was like, in the more I kind of was like, that's really, actually, that's accurate because I kept thinking maybe, maybe I've learned more than that. Maybe there's something, there's a deeper lesson that I've learned that I haven't, that I, I just sort of missed because it was seven o'clock in the morning and I wasn't thinking yet. And, uh, but the truth is, it's, I guess the thing, the larger thing that I've been thinking about, it really sort of sums up this year is that things are a lot bigger than we can handle sometimes. Last week, I, uh, actually, I'm sorry, this week, it's Friday. This week, another one of my students buried his mom uh, who died from COVID-19. And this is a student that was local. This is a student I care very much for. And she'd been in the hospital for a while. And then... You know, it was just sort of like with so many things, like every, she's holding on, she's holding on, she's holding on, and then it takes just a dramatic turn for the worse, and then it's over. I had another friend, uh, another sailing friend, whose wife died a few weeks ago from a, uh, from cancer. They fought and fought and fought and fought, but it just... They couldn't win it. 
Sometimes shit's bigger than we can handle. Plain and simple. Sometimes there's more... That again, we can, we can get our heads around. Um, people like to say, you know, God has a plan for everything. Or God's not going to give you more than you can handle, and I'm 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 here to tell you that's that's largely bullshit. Um, you're going to get more than you can handle at some point during your life. And I guess this is the thing I was thinking about today, because um, what I told you earlier is I'm you know three o'clock in the morning my alarm's going to go off again and I'm going to drive twelve hours to a boat because there's a hurricane heading toward it. And there's not a damn thing I can do about that. I can try to get out of the way. I can try to secure it. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm just going to have to kind of hope for the best and then live with whatever comes. Because you can't reason with a hurricane. You can't reason with cancer. You can't reason with a virus that seems to kill indiscriminately. And when while we're on that subject, I I would really suggest not being the person who calls it a scamdemic uh, around me this week. Don't do it. Don't be that person. Um, because you're going to hear I'm not. I've, I've hit the point where I'm 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 done with listening to people um, talk bullshit. I'm just absolutely done. This is the one of the things with with COVID-19 is that when it when it first started, and it was still mostly in China and it barely. This is still when um, our current administration was still saying it was going to be just be a miracle and just sort of go away. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's not that big a deal. It's just kind of like the flu. That was before 170,000 Americans had died. I remember a New York Times reporter um, who covered, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he had, he was covering this and they were interviewing him for, the New York Times podcast, um, the Daily, and and they made a point of talking about like you know how much they were sanitizing you know there in the interview like they were keeping their distance. He was wearing a mask. He was sanitizing the microphone. He was talking about. He was wearing gloves. He or he was wearing a glove. I don't. I can't remember all the details of it, but I remember that interview and I was because this was a guy who's primary job his beat was covering pandemics like he had had experience covering the swine flu the avian flu sars all of these that have come before and the thing that he told on that podcast that i remember really clicked with me because he said this one had him spooked he said you're going to know someone who's died because of this thing And now I know at least a couple of people. You know, and I guess the great scheme of the overall population, it's not that much yet. 
but it is to those families. Um, we started back to school this week. We started in in class classes. So many rules, trying to keep the spreads down as far as you know sanitizing. And I teach mostly in computer labs because I teach a lot of multimedia classes that you know students need to be in, sitting at a computer to do. And you know, kind of my job after they leave is now, you know, wipe down these things with Clorox type wipes or whatever kind of wipes. You know, something that's going to kill germs and whatnot. You know until it doesn't work anymore but one of the things is like you know we're we're not having football this this year or this season you know and i don't really care about that i like football but it's a minor thing in the great scheme of things um but this is the opening of the fall semester at the university and normally at this point point in time if it's been a while since you've been to college or you, you didn't go to college, like the beginning of the fall semester, the university does a lot to keep students entertained. I mean, this, there's just a lot going on. You've got the incoming freshmen, which they're trying. Inco okay, first of all, incoming freshmen are often almost seemingly clinically insane because they've just left their families for the first time. They're on their own. They're suddenly thrust into you know they don't have chaperones they're 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 young adults who are making decisions for the first time in their lives to for themselves and sometimes there's a bit of chaos with that and it's honestly kind of entertaining to watch normally there's a lot of stuff going on they've got parties they've have concerts they've got games they've got event all kinds of stuff going on then you've got ball games going on then you've got all the other back to school stuff going on and it's always just like a hive of activity around the campus always people everywhere every sidewalk covered with people and then i get there you know i had my first class last night or yesterday afternoon i'm sorry and it's just dead just a handful of people walking down the, the sidewalks everybody's wearing masks we're just kind of keeping their head down and not really talking. You get into your classrooms, you know, there's divisions like people can't sit where they normally would, or you can't keep as many in a classroom as you might once had. And people are frustrated, they're tired. And there's just sort of this overall kind of sense of sadness. And I don't know, or an anxiety. I don't even know. I don't think it's anxiety so much anymore. People are just sort of worn down. They're just worn down. This has gotten me thinking. The thing that's been on my mind a lot lately with this, with hurricanes, with viruses, with cancer. The things we can't control. What's what's been on my mind is there's this sort of veneer of of an it's it's an illusion. It's a it's a veneer. It's an illusion of sort of plane of existence where we think we've got our shit together. Like you think. 
you can go to the grocery store and buy whatever you want at any time you want to, right? You think you can go buy toilet paper anytime you want to. You think you can go buy hamburger meat anytime you want to. You think, you know, all of these things that just sort of happen because much of society sort of happens on this, this level of existence that sort of takes a lot of other things for granted. And I think if 2020 has done anything, it's shown us how fragile that world really is. You know, people have been freaking out because of, you know, one of the things that COVID-19 done is it's wreaked havoc within the context of like meatpacking plants, which ironically typically have a lot of immigrant labor. But they're all packed in together and it's in sort of the perfect breeding ground for viruses. Um, and so suddenly meat becomes harder to attain. Let's not even talk about toilet paper because suddenly people freak out about that. But there's all this stuff that people just sort of take for granted will always be there waiting for them. And the truth of the matter, it's not. The truth is, you know, again, as someone who's raised on a cattle ranch, it's a lot of work to get that hamburger to that grocery store. I don't think people fully appreciate what all goes on in the, you know, roughly 18 months, 18 to 24 months before that thing hits your, that steak hits the grocery store. I don't really think people fully understand what goes on in farms. I don't think people fully understand what goes on in manufacturing and, you know, when people suddenly realize that, you know, stuff that we need may come from a different country that has to cross an ocean on a ship. And when those ships don't show up anymore, things get awkward really fast and suddenly people don't really know how to deal with that. And so for all the, all the technological advances that we have, all the things that we're able to do with, um, computers, social media, all the things that we do are all predicated on this idea that there's these things that have to happen that most of us don't even pay attention to. So this afternoon, I, I, my eyes were hurting because I've been staring at a computer too long because I've been, I've been writing and I've been grading papers and I've been doing stuff. And I just get eye fatigue and then I was, I had a headache and I was just like, you know what? It's a nice day. I'm going to go outside. So I just spread out a blanket and I just go sit outside in the sun for a while, read a book, get away from get away from screens for a little while. And one of the things I just really like is sort of the actual, like my, I can physically touch the earth, can physically be in contact with this thing that keeps me alive. And I think too many of us forget that. There's too many other things that we're doing and we don't we don't really pay attention to the things that matter. Um, I'm reading um, a book, um, Aldo Leopold's uh, Sand, Count, uh, Sand County Almanac. And he goes into that, like, you know, just, like if you wanna understand what it takes to heat your house, don't sit in front of a radiator, you know, split a cord of wood, 
cut a tree down, split a core wood, and you know, sort of, and then reflect about all the years that that tree's been growing. All the things that had to happen for you to be able to sit and warm yourself by that fire. Reflect for a moment. Uh, you know, a lot of people say grace before they eat a meal. A lot of people who aren't religious don't. But I would say take a moment and reflect on what it took to get that meal to your face. Those vegetables, that meat, that, you know, that fish, that pork, whatever it happened to be, that rice. Whatever it happened to be, just take a moment and try to think about the process that it took for that to get to your plate. Like, just imagine, a, a, you know, a grain of rice. Got planted in the spring in some, typically some southern state. Arkansas grows a lot of rice. Texas grows a lot of rice. And rice, and I, this is one of the things that we grew when I was a kid. It's, it's a hot, it's a hot job. Um, maybe we didn't do it great, but we had, a you know, I used to have to wade out in these rice paddies, which are, you know, you have to flood rice. And so you're wading in water, it's summer, it's hot, and you're just making sure that everything's okay. Eventually you harvest it. goes to place and ends up getting processed you know it gets the 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 kernel or the grain of rice gets the shell you know pulled off of it and it's eventually packaged where you can actually eat it but there's tons of man hours that were involved in getting that to you same way again with animals especially animals if you if i'm a you know i'm, I'm i like eating meat I like hunting. I also like, you know, I used to raise cows. I used to get out there first thing, you know, in calving season. And this this would be calving season. Um, but, you know, early part of it. And I would get out there first thing in the morning and look for, you know, newborn calves. And I would tag them. And if there was, you know, if there were bulls, I would, you know, ban them. So they would uh, be steers. That was, that's a nice way of saying it. I'd castrate them. You know, so they would grow up. Uh, in a way, be healthy and provide good food for people. And it takes a lot. It takes a lot to get there. Um, but so many of us just sort of live in this sort of plane of existence where you don't even think about that stuff. Food just shows up until it doesn't. And then you find yourself reasoning with um, you, you find yourself reasoning with a hurricane you find yourself reasoning with things that are much larger than you could ever be than you'll ever be than any of us will ever be and it's that disconnect that we have that I think sometimes keeps us from living the lives that we want to live we're always just you know, we're living a life. Maybe we spend too much time at work doing shit, you know, that doesn't really matter. It seems important at the moment because we've got to get that email answered. We've got to do that other thing. 
but in the great in the great scheme of things, it really doesn't matter much at all. Do you have food in your stomach? Do you have food in your belly? Do you have heat in your house? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have a significant other? Can you make them laugh? Do you have a kid? Do they look at you like you're the world? I don't know. It seems to me that those are the things that are actually worth living. Those, those, those are the things that are actually lives worth pursuing. I don't really give a damn if I actually, you know, get promoted at work. Those things don't really mean that much. I'd like to make more money, but it doesn't really mean that much. It doesn't change who I am as a human being. Sometimes we want to have be happy, but I think really what we want most is to have purpose. We want to be needed. Uh, we want to have a function. We want to have something that sort of makes this life feel like it's worth living. And these things are big. These are big things. These are the hard things. These are the hard lessons that we learn. So, with that said, um, I'm going to end with the, because uh, I'm supposed to get up in five hours. I'm going to go ahead and just wind this down here. Um, as I go chase down a hurricane or two, I'm going to leave you with the quintessential poet of the Gulf Coast and Key West, the one and only Jimmy Buffett, trying to reason with hurricane season. I will catch you guys next week. Hopefully, I'll catch you next week. This is your captain speaking. Have a good night or a good day. Or whatever it happens to be. I'm going to do that all over again because it jumped. Squalls out on the Gulf Stream Big storms coming soon I passed out in my I slept away past noon Stood up and tried to focus I hoped I wouldn't have to look far I knew I could use a Bloody Mary So I stumbled
Yeah. 